You try to make good decisions when you're in the space to make good decisions, knowing that at some point you're probably not going to make good decisions. Welcome to The One You Feed. Throughout time, great thinkers have recognized the importance of the thoughts we have. Quotes like, garbage in, garbage out, or you are what you think, ring true. And yet, for many of us, our thoughts don't strengthen or empower us. We tend toward negativity, self-pity, jealousy, or fear. We see what we don't have instead of what we do. We think things that hold us back and dampen our spirit. But it's not just about thinking. Our actions matter. It takes conscious, consistent, and creative effort to make a life worth living. This podcast is about how other people keep themselves moving in the right direction, how they feed their good wolf. Being active is more important than ever, and that's why I am excited to introduce On, perhaps the best kept secret in the running world. I love these shoes. I have been buying them for four years, and I don't buy anything else. They were founded in 2010 in Zurich, Switzerland, and it's the fastest growing running brand globally. Their philosophy is that you should run how you were born to run. Instead of correcting your movement, on shoes react to your individual running motion. As I said, I love these shoes. I use them for trail running, for all uh, running on the streets, and just day-to-day wear. They are amazing. And on is offering our listeners an exclusive offer. Try the shoes or gear for up to 30 days commitment-free. Head to on-running.com slash feed and pick your favorite shoes and apparel items. Apply the code TRYONFEED at checkout to test your new products for 30 days. Love them, keep them. Not convinced? Send them back for a full refund. That's on-running.com slash feed and the promo code is TRYONFEED. Thanks for joining us. Our guest on this episode is Colin Gowell, guitarist of the American band Watershed. Colin also has a solo career with and without his backing band, The Lonely Bones. His album Superior, The Best of Colin Gowell, was released in December 2016. Colin is also the lead writer, editor, and founder of the website Pencil Storm and the owner of the legendary Colin's Coffee in Columbus, Ohio. This conversation was recorded live in Colin's kitchen and is focused on fatherhood in honor of Father's Day this upcoming weekend. If you value the content we put out each week, then we need your help. As the show has grown, so have our expenses and time commitment. Go to oneufeed.net slash support and make a monthly donation. Our goal is to get to 5% of our listeners supporting the show. Please be part of the 5% that make a contribution and allow us to keep putting out these interviews and ideas. We really need your help to make the show sustainable and long-lasting. Again, that's oneufeed.net slash support. Thank you in advance for your help. And here's the interview with Colin Gowell. Hi, Colin. Welcome to the show. Great to be here. I'm uh, excited to have you on for a couple reasons. I think you are one of the friends that I've had longest in my life, uh, a long time, since we were like 10 or something, which is a long time. And I also think you are probably one of the most criminally underrated and unknown songwriters there is out there. So, And wow. we'll talk some about your songs and... Uh, 
but I'm excited to have you on. I think it's going to be fun. I'm thrilled to be here. I know it is funny how our lives just always seem to, they always seem to connect some yeah. way, somehow. Yeah. We never really set out, but we no. just, they're always kind of just going back and yeah. back and forth. Here we are. So let's start like we always do with the parable. There's a grandfather who's talking with his grandson. He says, in life, there are two wolves inside of us that are always at battle. One is a good wolf, which represents things like kindness and bravery and love. And the other is a bad wolf, which represents things like greed and hatred and fear. And the grandson stops and he thinks about it for a second and looks up at his grandfather and he says, well, grandfather, which one wins? And the grandfather says, the one you feed. So I'd like to start off by asking you what that parable means to you in your life and in the work that you do. Well, I think, um, especially coming mostly as a background as a musician and a touring musician, you see talented people that fall into bad habits and they, you know, everyone kind of has some energy when they're young and you can go out and do it. And then when you get kind of, you know, you get hit or, you know, you get around some unhealthy people, things fall apart. So I think to me, it's always been, you know, having spent most of my life, probably till I was like from 18 to 35 touring, it was like, how do I do healthy habits? How do I keep playing music without, you know, drinking too much or getting bitter or, I guess just basically, you know, falling off that pyramid. So I always try to take, you know, each day at a time, try and stay creative, try and have, um, you know, healthy habits. Like when things get tough, like, you know, you run, you go work out, you try to eat right, you try to control the things you can. You try to make good decisions when you're in the space to make good decisions, knowing that at some point you're probably not going to make good decisions, if that makes any sense. So I guess that's kind of how I kind of approach it in almost like a very day-to-day I don't think long-term. I think more like, what can I do today? What can I do now? If I'm not tired, why would I drink coffee right now? I don't need it right now. Just drink water. Uh, you know, things like that. And just kind of keep me on the path to, uh, you know, being creative and, you know, being a healthy person and like yeah. still trying to achieve something on a, on a, you know, whatever that means on a day-to-day basis. So I guess that would be my, I think I learned more from watching others what, what not to do. Right. And I try to, you know, pick up on those cues and carve out my own little path that'll kind of just keep me surviving from a day-to-day basis, if that makes any sense. Yep. So uh, true long-time listeners, like way long-time listeners of the show, or people who've gone back through the archives, uh, may have listened to one with Joe Strike, who was uh, an author, but also a musician. And his book was about the band Watershed. And Colin, who we're talking to now, is one of the main characters in the book. Yeah. Just to kind of frame up where we come from. What I'd like to start with today, though, is Father's Day. Yeah. So Father's Day is this upcoming weekend. We are both fathers. My son's about five, six years older than yours. Yeah. But you have written a song recently called Dad Can't Help You Now. It's the last game of the season. You're standing out on the mound Bases loaded, the score is tied And the batter has a full count And you're staring in at your catcher And I've never been more proud But my heart shakes, buddy Cause dad can't help you now Tower for a lazy fly ball to ride. Now remember that it's just a game, but don't forget to cover home. You're not alone out there. Dad can't help you now. 
So that song from the first time I heard it still to today chokes me up almost every time I hear it. So tell me a little bit about that song. You've got your son pitching, you know, an important moment. And, you know, was that one of the first times you really recognized like, okay, now he's sort of out of my hands. Like up till, up till a certain age with our kids, we can control an awful lot. Yeah. I mean, it's specifically the song was written quickly, like in my car, driving i remember where i was by thompson park and all of a sudden the, the, the it just kind of came to me and i literally just kind of jotted it down or talked into my phone almost the whole thing now obviously it came from the fact as you would know as a parent you're watching your kid in youth sports and i think we're both similar in the sense that you know our sons played sports we like sports we're not like sporty guys per se but there's a lot of energy wrapped around watching your child out there right doing sports and you know the community that we live in is pretty sports centric so there's a lot around that and I've helped coach but obviously you know watching it's kind of like those lessons that you want to be out there with them you want to do anything for them you want them to succeed so badly right um that it's a fine line you can you don't want to be one of those crazy parents but I mean obviously the song's just born from like you know you're out you know you're out there by yourself this is it bases are loaded and I want it so bad for you. But you know what? Even in the end, you know, failing's okay too. Yeah. Because you're going to fail more often in life than not. And I think that's obviously the, what you try to get across to me as a, as a parent is don't worry about results. Just do the process. Yeah. Which obviously no one young can do yep. that. Yep. We only listened to a little bit of the song, so um, I won't give away the ending of what happens. But you, you definitely, folks, go check it out. We'll have links to it. But one of the things I like in that song is you've got a line about sort of remember it's just a game and also remember to cover yeah. home plate, right? Because yeah. that's the thing that's always so challenging for me with youth sports. On one hand, I'm like, I want him to care. I yeah. want him to be committed like yeah. to whatever it is in life he's doing. Yeah. And I also don't want him to take it too seriously. And how do you balance those two? And I thought that line was sort of a great combination of, of that. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. I do like, yeah, remember it's just a game, but don't forget to cover home. And it's such a dad statement. I mean, it's yeah. something you would absolutely, you'd say like as he's getting out of the car and walking away, you know, remember just yeah. a game. Also, don't forget to cover home because yeah, yeah. you just can't help. Yeah. And of course your kid looks at you like, shut up. Yeah. But you just cannot help throwing that last bit of advice in. It's kind of like know? the, have fun. And be careful. Exactly. Right? Like you just, you yeah. just, you can't let it go sometimes. And exactly. And it's funny as, as we're sitting here talking, my son is literally playing a baseball game two blocks away while we're doing this. So it's going to start in a little bit and he's been in a hitting slump and he's frustrated. And I went out and he wanted to hit all this morning. He's like, I'm terrible. And you're trying to grasp with those words as a dad, like, you know, just try to have a good attitude and overcoming adversity, you know, just, you know, just get through it. And you'll, if you do that, people will still feel good about what you did. And of course he's like, are you crazy? I'm striking out. I'm miserable. <laughs> you know, where you're trying to impart yep. this wisdom and I'm trying to back off, you know, cause if you're, you know, sorry, Owen, you may not get a hit today. It's been really rough up there, right. but how do you get, you know, those, those lessons you're having those moments to keep them engaged and on your side and get them through it. Um, and, uh, those are obviously the challenging, that's where you sports really presents those moments where you really have a, um, you know, a direct conversation about a very specific bit of adversity, yep. and it's, you know, and your brain's trying to grapple with that and how, you know, to make it okay and, and let them know. I said, you know, you know, it's not the end of the world either. You know, if right. it doesn't, you know, no one's counting on you to win the game today. And of course, yep. all that stuff, they just look at you like, 
yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, you're The world is changing faster and faster today, and there's so much uncertainty. And one of the skills that we need to deal with it is to be able to learn things quickly. And the best way I've found to do that is Blinkist. Blinkist is a unique and powerful app that works on your phone, your tablet, or your web browser. And basically what they do is give you the best key takeaways, the need-to-know information from over 3,000 nonfiction bestsellers. They condense them down into blinks, which you can read or listen to in just 15 minutes. I've found it really helpful for me over the last few weeks to really get up to speed a lot more on racial issues in this country. They've got a ton of great books out there that you can look at, like The New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander, How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi, White Fragility by Robin DiAngelo, and so many more. And now they've got a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash wolf to start your free seven-day trial and get 25% off a Blinkist premium membership and up to 65% off audiobooks that are yours to keep forever. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash wolf to get 25% off a premium membership and a seven-day free trial. Blinkist.com slash wolf. The people who drive industries, entertainment, and culture shape our world every day in bold and dramatic ways. But did you ever wonder how they got there? Behind the Talent features in-depth conversations with people who identify and develop talent, the people who find the people that shape our world. Guests include big league sports scouts, rock star talent agents, and CIA officers. Uncovering the skills and challenges that unite them all is the job of host David Mead, He's an expert speaker and educator, and he brings his own curiosity and insights to each interview to expand our understanding of what it means to be a recruiter in today's world of work. Brought to you by Indeed.com, Behind the Talent is a must-listen for anyone interested in the secrets behind identifying talent and unlocking potential in individuals and organizations. Subscribe to Behind the Talent now, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm staring down the ultimate dad can't help you now moment with, you know, my son going off to college in a couple months. Like, that's a whole nother level of like, okay, here, here you go. Like, I'm kind of not done as a parent, yeah. right? But in a lot of significant ways, I am, right? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we we're, I've been going to some graduation parties and I was thinking about, you know, Owen leaving and what that'll be like because he's, you know, he's an only child and we're, we're pretty hands on and all that. But I think about going to college and specifically like, you know, I don't know how much you've shared, but you were you had a pretty interesting wild life. <laughs> so, and, I, and I'm not your typical dad per se, but I mean, how do you think when you're like, man, he's going to go off there and be unsupervised? I mean, you know, how, how have you reconciled that with the stuff? It's like, hey, I did all this stuff and turned out okay, but you probably shouldn't do that. Yeah. I mean, well, how, how have you passed I, that on to Jordan? I'm just yeah. curious knowing your background. Well, I turned out okay, you know, by, by the hair of my chinny chin chin, right? Yeah. Like, I mean... The fact that he's going to be in school is a big improvement over where I was because I just chose those years to be like just totally run wild. So yeah. if he stays in school, you know, I think that would be great. You know, he, kids these days, he's, you know, is he involved in drinking and drugs? Probably to some degree. What kid is? And I keep hearing parents say like, well, I'm worried about that's a party school. And I was like, what school isn't? Yeah, they're like, all party school like, if you want to party. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. It, you know, and I've had frank conversations with him a bunch of times about how, look, Based on your mom and I's history, you might react differently to this. Absolutely. And you got to keep your eye on it. 
I also know how sneaky it is, and it will likely creep up on him without knowing. He, personality-wise, though, is a little bit different than I was when I was younger. He's a lot more laid back and sort of seems to be kind of content and comfortable in his own skin, which I was not. So I cling to that as my faint hope that it'll be all right. But, yeah, I mean, I expect he's got to figure it out at this point. I've kind of done everything I can. Yeah. You know, advice from dad about being careful at college and not drinking too much is, like, pointless, right? My mom was in AA, and we had a lot of discussions when I was younger, like 15 or 16. And she would be like, she gave up drinking, and I had no idea that was going on. But she was the same thing, like, you need to keep an eye on this. You need to watch this family history. Did anyone ever have that discussion with you when you were growing up? Were you aware of any kind of history? No. Because I wonder how much that matters. I, you know, because I, I feel yeah. like my mom in a way, like that, having that conversation, because if you don't even think about it, yeah. it'd be very easy to go and just, you're just off the rails. Yeah. But being kind of exposed to that and being like, this is something you have to watch out for. Because I had the same conversations with Owen, like, you know, yeah. A, you're young, it's bad for your brain now. You don't want to do it anyway, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, he's going to know, I mean, I can't be a hypocrite. Yeah. You know, I'm in a rock yeah. band. I did all these things for all these years. But somewhere in the back of my brain was always like, this stuff will sneak up on you. So yeah. you need to watch it all the time. And I think that gave me an edge over maybe someone who never had heard that. Because you can just go, boop, and then yeah. it's too late. If that makes yeah. sense. Do you yeah. think? I, I'm Alcoholism is so complex. Like, I don't really know if it would have mattered. Like, there's yeah. certainly, you know, they say there's a genetic uh, component to it, right? Yeah. Which I think I reacted very differently to alcohol from the first time I tried it from anybody I knew. Yeah. And I managed to kind of put it on ice by not drinking at yeah. all. Yeah. And then I was, all, you know, once I was free, I was just off and run. It was like a, a light switch flipped. And I don't know that anything could have, I mean, I, you know, I had a dear mentor at that time. Ed Shea was a teacher and he, you know, he did so many things for me, took me to Seattle, all this. And I remember one night, he died not long after sitting in his truck and he was crying like, you got to stop this. And it didn't, I mean, you yeah, know, I mean, nothing. And that was relatively early in the game for yeah. me. So like, I don't know. Because I remember like the same kind of same time, you know, that summer when you're old enough to, to, to drink or whatever. And all of a sudden you get pleased to meet me and you're just, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of like, that's what you're doing. But I'm like, man, I hope Owen doesn't do that. You know, yeah. I hope he doesn't go down that road. Because I remember being at a bar, you know, a lot of nights and. I don't know. That was what we did. Um, but you know, that, that's, I mean, I think being a parent, the, the, I mean, the number one thing I think any parent that's had any exposure to that world is like, don't get addicted to drugs. Yeah. Don't get addicted to opiates. Don't, don't. I mean, it's, your life will be so hard. I mean, yep. you know that it's yep. so hard. You don't want to go so far that you got to come all the way back. That's right. I mean, I obviously don't do any of that stuff, but I look at people that do and I think, well, if you're able to keep that under control, like, wonderful. Like I hope Jordan is able to drink and do that stuff yeah. like normally. I think it's a legitimate pleasure a lot of people have in life that yeah. I wish I had at my uh, disposal. I just don't. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's not like I want to turn him into a teetotaler. Yeah. Is that, that's not how you say that. Teetotaler? We know, know what you mean. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, but, but I don't, you know, you're, it's just the addiction piece that you, you yeah. don't want to, to anything. So, yeah. um, why don't we transition to somehow you, you had some funny stuff about when we played baseball as kids. So, well, yeah, I mean, that was one reason we had the idea to do this is that, you know, growing up here, we are talking about dad can't help you now. And we played on a baseball team. I probably, I don't, I remember this pretty vividly because I was kind of into baseball. We were on a team together and it was maybe like sixth grade or seventh grade. And our, I think your dad was a head coach. My dad was assistant coach and our team was terrible. 
it was at well, the year we, we won we, none. We went 0 and 15. <laughs> yeah. And I also remember like the mound was kind of, it was last year the mound was kind of close. Yeah. So I remember like facing guys like Randy Klinger. Mm-hmm. So I remember thinking, I don't think I got a hit all year. Like I wasn't that big physically and neither were you. Yeah. We were decently skilled. Yeah. But it's that year where it just felt like the pitcher was right on top of you. Yeah. And I remember just like that year was just like, this is terrible. Like I just couldn't get a hit and our team was terrible. And then the next year things moved back and I was on a pretty good team and we were like the number one seed going into the, uh, we were named after a French and cheek, the two kids that got killed up on 23. And then you guys were like the last seed. We played your team the next year and you guys upset us in the first round. I can't remember that. No. And there was a fly ball. It was a pop-up. I was being saved the next game as a pitcher and we collided and the ball dropped and two runs scored and we lost the game. And I just sat and I was, I cried. Yeah, I mean, I was so miserable about losing that game, and that's where I had mentioned too. I remember my dad saying, "Like, I don't think my dad was a fan of your dad, so there's like some bad blood there too." Like it was like a, this whole little league moment. Yeah, like, no. but I remember that game. You probably don't. No, but I remember no. like I remember that that year in general. I mean, I no comment on my dad, but your father would not be alone in in that opinion. I and mean, that was just random kids. I don't so, even know what he was little intense. To. Maybe that's what my it was. dad was a little, a little probably intense. Kind of the thing that we look at now, and you look at, and you're like, "Come on, like it's a game. Like leave, yeah. let these kids yeah, it be wasn't kids." Like personal, but I remember yeah. I never said anything yeah. at one point. Like, like said something like, "Like I'm not sure about him." Like, which is as much as you yeah. get from my dad, or right, I mean, maybe right, this isn't right. a great fit, or something like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so yeah, I'm sure it wasn't. Yep. But yeah, we played on that baseball team together, and we we went 0 and 15. But you know, that is. The crust of the song is, and this is this is life, right? This is the only thing that matters is how do you come back from adversity? Yeah, that's all that matters. That's all watershed is. We're not that great, but we just somehow persevere. And if you persevere, whether it's you know in any form, it's almost a win. I mean, in its yeah. own way. And like yeah. that's what you're trying to when you lose to get through it and go to the next day. And that's that's obviously what I try to do, and that's obviously as a parent what you're trying to teach your son is you know things aren't going to go your way. But, you know, if you can just compose yourself and come back to fight another day, that's, there's pride in that. You should take, yep. be proud of fighting. Yep. Oh, whatever, yeah. Whatever yeah. your challenge is. Yeah. Coming back, how you keep going is, is one of the most important skills that you can have. And, you know, Watershed's interesting, and, and we covered this some in, in Joe's book, but you guys are still a rock band. I mean, you're really popular here when you play. You turn out a ton of people. You were very close to, uh, you know, more major success. You were on a major label. You guys keep doing it. And one of the things that I see out of it is, and I see this with you in a lot of things, your solo writing, your website, Pencil Storm. I see like a love of doing these things because you love doing these things. I mean, everybody wants what they're doing to be viewed and to be successful. But one of the things I admire in you is you just keep doing creative work. And if people are paying attention, wonderful. And if they're not, okay. And, you know, you're kind of doing it because it because you love doing it because it matters to you. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And it's definitely, and I mentioned it earlier. And when I talk about like the, the, the parable, I can't overstate what it was like to be like basically starting a band when you're like in eighth or ninth grade. And then you just did that from like the time you were 15 or 16 to like 35. So sometimes I'll have a hard time communicating with my wife. And I go, do you understand I spent most of my life in a van with the same five guys? Like it really impacted it took a lot of my time and energy to do that. When that stopped, it was tough because I had this structure. I was used to band practice every night. I was used to doing all these, this, this, everything was kind of went around the music and being in watershed. Having said that, I think I'm wise enough to know that, you know, there's nothing more pathetic than someone trying to be who they were when they were 25, when they're 45. Right. I mean, so 
I had to kind of take a step back, look at things fresh and be like, what, what can I do? I'm, you know, my son's now three years old. My wife's working. I'm, I, you know, ended up owning this small coffee shop and just being, I think being open to different ideas or whatever, you know, like, how am I going to do a solo group? I'm just going to do EPs. I can't do a record. And then I was doing websites and I thought, well, this is silly to do one website by myself. There's a lot of talented people writing great stuff on Facebook. What if they send it to me at the coffee shop and I'll post it there and it'd be a great way to network and keep myself interested at the, at yep. the end of it. I'm just trying to keep myself interested in life. Yeah. Cause I think that keeps you on a, on a, like I said, that feeds the good wolf. That, yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Um, and if you keep around interesting people that you don't, that inspire you and, um, you know, you don't want to let down, you know, you'll, you'll tend to do, you'll raise up to their level. I think I'm always trying to find people like that that inspire me. Um, so yeah, I don't worry about results very much. I mean, I think going back to watershed, we've had so many close calls somewhere along the way. You just laugh about it. I mean, you know, yep. you just, and that's what I try to convince my son or anyone like, you know, if, if, you know, if you put a good shot up and it goes in, that's great. But if you put a good shot up and it doesn't go in, that's great too. Right. You can't worry about the result. Like you yep. just, sometimes you just got to do it. Yep. And, and sometimes you can't not worry about it, but in general, yeah. like, yeah. you know, we're yeah. wired. I think that's one of the interesting things is very easy to say, like, you know, you shouldn't care about results and all that. And I believe it to be a hundred percent true. And then I find people who now feel bad about themselves because they they can't stop worrying about results. And it's like, well, it's, you're going to do it. And then you also do your best not to do it. Right. Yeah. Like and we're humans. I mean, of course you want to do your podcast. You look at the numbers. Like I look at it and you have like yeah. a couple bad days. You're like, Oh man, yeah. like, why am I even doing this? Or, you know what I mean? Like yeah. whatever. But I think overriding that is, you know, if you have a passion about something, you just got to go for it and worry about, the results later, but obviously I'd spent a lot of time putting out records that were not well received and that kind of thing where I just said, you know what, that's a good song. And if only 10 people appreciate it here tonight, I know it's a good song and yep. it's not my role on the planet to just have millions of people love the stuff I'm doing. And so I just got to get over it Yeah, because you don't want, like I said, you don't want to be the bitter artsy guy. Right. Just get a right. job at Nationwide with benefits and be bitter because there's no point in doing all yep. this stuff if you're looking for positive yep. reinforcement all the time because yep. you're just not it's not that's not what it's about yeah and that's the other thing i see in in what you do and i certainly try and do and it's a big topic that i i talk about you know on the show and do many episodes on which is kind of like the middle way right yeah. and the younger me was like you're either a rock star or you're nothing right yeah and oh, yeah. it was all or nothing and i what i love about what you guys do is it's you know you get to do a little of both right you've got lives you do those things and yet you haven't let that go because it's something you care about and you love and you do what you can with it. It's kind of truly a middle ground yeah. of being sort of between being fully grown up and being a kid. You know, you're, you're just keeping things in balance, which is so important. I think just because of our friendship and we were so close that I don't know how we just worked well together. But I think that's just the maturity. You see a lot of people that put the guitar in the closet and they never touch it again. Yeah. And I think we had that breakthrough at some point when we realized we can determine our own rules. Why can Watershed, we can play or not play. I can do a solo thing. And that's really frees you up when you realize, hey, I still enjoy it. Maybe we'll only do two shows this year, but maybe it'll be really fun. Right. And I still enjoy getting to be a dad and I still go to the coffee shop and I still get to do this. And I think that's, I don't know where that came from, but it's at some point when you realize you're in control and, you know, maybe a younger person would be like, oh, that's so lame that you're <laughs> yep. a dad and you don't play much anymore. That it's so shameful that you would just put it all away. I mean, I never planned on being a parent. It was never, I never once in my life thought about being a dad. I've never even had a pet. Like, I'm just busy <laughs> doing, that. Would just to me, that's all just distractions from what I, whatever I think I'm trying to do. 
But then as you get older and you realize you like this and you like that, you're like, you know what? There's kind of room for everything. Yeah. And you got to give yourself a break. You know, it's everything. Look, Watershed's getting ready to play some shows. We're going to play Comfest in Columbus and we're going to go play Cleveland in Toledo. We haven't played in a while. And are we going to be as great as we once were? Probably not. On that level, it's a little sad because I can look at our old set list and be like, man, we used to just be such an awesome rock and roll machine. We could play three sets. We could just, but at the same time, you're still playing. You're older. I'm not Bruce Springsteen. Right. Like, so I think you have to let yourself off the hook a little bit. It's still good. And this is the best we're capable of right now. And it's better than nothing. It's better than nothing. And you know, you're getting older. And I think about that stuff. I lost my mom at a fairly young age. And you're just like, you could die. So make sure I'm always thinking about, you know, time is precious. And as you get older, like even the other night, I went to see Tom Petty. Was I going to go? I'm like, you know what? He's getting older. I'm going to go see Tom Petty. Right. You know, we're probably both not going to be around a whole lot longer. And, you know, there's just a little more urgency. So I think that's a big part of being older, too, is, you know, you can't stare at yourself in the mirror and beat up yourself because your wrinkles or your faults. I mean, you're just human and, you know, give yourself give yourself a break. Right. It's easy to just not even try. Yep. Because you can just, you know, self-edit yourself to just, you know. Yep. And if you fail, you fail. Like with the coffee shop, there are a lot of times where I thought, you know, man, maybe maybe this isn't going to work and I'm just going to go bankrupt. I didn't have any other any other plan. All I'd done is play music and like wait tables. And even then I was like, you know what? Lots of businesses go bankrupt. Yeah. So, you know, it's not the end of the world. And you know what I mean? And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And Yeah, we had a couple episodes ago was Danny Shapiro and, and she was talking, it was in the context of her marriage, but she said basically, you know, I knew that everything was not okay but yet at the same time it was also okay you know it was okay and i love like what you said there with the coffee shop and all that is this sort of underlying like yep lots of bad shit might happen right things could go wrong a yeah. thousand different ways and somehow underneath that there's some resilience or some or i think some of it comes from a recognition that that other stuff is stuff yeah and you know and i guess at this point i should mention too obviously my wife erin i mean for anyone you know, who your partner is, is really, really important. And you're, and she's been, she's a counselor and we kind of did this together. When our son was first born, I was still trying to do music. We did 5th of July and it was, a, the record turned out really well. And she was like, you should tour on this record. And I said, I don't think I should, like, this is really, if I do it, I'm going to be gone. And I made it clear, like, this is like trying to win the lottery. It's probably not going to happen. And she's like, no, you should do it. So we got some financing and we got a van and we went and toured. And I said, I got to do this for 18 months. No matter what, if I say I'm going to do it, I got to do it. Cause if it's going to happen, it'll only happen at the end. And I'm telling you, it's probably not going to happen. But she was still kind of like, no, you should go for it. Halfway into like 18 months of touring. She's like, I can't do this anymore. You need to stop yep. because your son's here. You're not making any money. And I was like, I can't stop. We agreed to this. And it was rough. Yeah, It was a rough, and it took us a while to come back from it. But that is an example of, you know, you're, when you're that moment where you're still young enough, you think you can kind of do it all. Yeah. And you, maybe you bite off more than you can chew. We tried this, but now I've got to grow up and I've got to figure out a way to be, you know, a good partner and still do my thing. And, you know, her credit, she gives me enough latitude to know this is like part of who I am. So you can't just... It's not going to go away. Yeah, it's not like I just woke up one day and said, I'm going to try stand-up comedy. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, this is what it is. Yep. But obviously you have to have another partner when you're, for at least, I shouldn't say you have to. For me, having a strong person that I admire be around that I don't want to let down pushes me in the right direction. Yeah. Um, you know, cause there's, you know, between Owen, Aaron and I, so I should obviously, and then she's a counselor. So there's a lot of, sometimes I feel like there's just too much. I said, this isn't fair. 
like there's too much communication around here. This is like what your job is. You know what I mean? So right, like, yeah. I'm like, I feel like, you know, you can't, yeah. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I, I like can't, I battle through it, but you know who you, and that would be the other going back to like your child and being a dad is who you put in around you. And it's, I mean, it's the number one rule of life. Mom, show me who your friends are and I'll show you who you are. Yeah. So that's what you watch your kid like a hawk. Who's going to be the spouse or other person. Yeah. And I'm lucky I have a really awesome person that, you know, really does a lot for me and supports me and all that. I hope I give that back, but I don't have to tell people out there listening, you know, you got, got on with the wrong person. Yeah. You know, you'll be in trouble in a hurry. And like, even like Watershed, like we never smoked. We're like the only band because we just started so young. I always think about that. It was like, we would have fun and we would party, but at the end of the day, we didn't want to let each other down. It was not acceptable yeah. to be, you know, a total fuck up. That was not, you did not mess up the show. Right. That's how a good marriage should be a relationship. Hey, I'm going to have my fun, but at the end of the day, I don't want to be the one who let the team down. Yeah. So, you know, and all that comes from, you know, the relationships you have around you and the people you surround yourself with. Because I can be, and I know you can, we, we're, we're corruptible guys. We can get the, <laughs> we know what I mean, back in the day, we can, oh, we can get yeah. on the bandwagon pretty good. Oh, yeah. And go, you know, get going. So, you know, it's, you know, you want to have those friends that, I think I dated a bartender one time. And it was a terrible idea. Right. It's just not, that's not the person I need. Yep. You know yep. what I mean? I'll provide the craziness. Someone else needs to provide like the sanity. Yeah. Like that's a good mix for me. And I know that. I love perfect bars. I've talked about them before on here, how much I love them, how many of them I've eaten, which is an extraordinary number. But there's not just perfect bars. The company, Perfect Snacks, make a variety of products like protein bars, peanut butter cups, and kids snack bars. And they're all made with freshly ground nut butter, organic honey, and 20 organic superfoods. You're sure to find something that you'll love. Of course, my favorite is the standard Perfect Bar dark chocolate chip peanut butter, although their peanut butter cups are amazing too, and you keep them in the fridge and so they're cold. If you're not already convinced, they're also non-GMO, project verified, they're gluten-free, they're soy-free, they're kosher, and they're low GI, and they are delicious. So right now, Perfect Snacks is offering 15% off your online order. Just go to perfectsnacks.com slash wolf. Shop their refrigerated snacks at perfectsnacks.com slash wolf today to get 15% off your order. We want you to be prepared for snack time. So go to perfectsnacks.com slash wolf to stock up and save 15%. Well, speaking of your wife, let's transition to uh, a different song. One of the things I think that you've done as a songwriter, and very few people I think are able to do it, is to write about what it is to be an adult in a powerful way, right? It's so easy to move into cheesiness or cliche or... There's just not, there's not a lot of songwriters I've found who are necessarily speaking in as directive terms about what it's like to be the age I am. And so you've got a song called The Words We Say, yeah, which is just an amazing song. We'll listen to a little of it here. Everything looks so bright and so new. Now the pain is faded with the memory of the way you I 
you know, that line that, you know, she's feeling frustrated and you're feeling disappointed. I assume that disappointment has something to do with your music career. Oh, yeah. It was, I mean, it was right after. That was one of the first things we did when that collision between being a parent and watershed really hit. You know yeah. what I mean? Where I was still committed to being on the road, but we were trying to raise a young son and we were in a house and we're trying to pay bills and we're being adults. Yeah. And then Watershed had stopped, so I was trying to feel my way and write some songs. I remember I kind of wrote it over at Mike Landold. Some, I was really excited, and I came home, and I, like, played it. No. I, it that's did not I think, go well. I'm such an idiot that I thought she'd be, like, proud of me. I, and she was, she was like, so, like, just taken aback. Every time I hear that song, I think of, like, what's it like to be Aaron? You know? and, and, again, the song is not, um, it, it doesn't call her into question no, in just, any way it's about i mean the song is you know basically about once upon a time we were in love and this was really easy and now it's hard and yeah. i still love you but it's hard yeah and, and it, i don't know how to do it all the time yeah. but i can see why yeah i've done that before written a song that i thought well this person would think you know they they look at our situation and think yeah that's the way it is it's really you know yeah. you know, never has gone well yeah i mean that's <laughs> I, you know and it's just you know just it's um and i was you know haven't been a, a songwriter you have to be, you have to put it out like anything. It's gotta be true. You yeah. can't, it's not even worth doing. Uh, but once again, it's still a pop song. It's not, there's only time for one angle. It's not very nuanced. I mean, so of course, if you're writing a song that's going to be, you know, a little more down or something, that's, you know, it's, it's not like an verse like, oh, but either way, she's, you know, she's still beautiful and I love, you know. But you, you know? did that to some yeah. extent. That's the, again, yeah. the part of that that is, I find so powerful is not only is it, about how you're stressed when she's around and she, you know, how, all the things that happen in a marriage, but there's also like the I love you part too, yeah. which, which which adds that like, it's a very short piece, but it it's yeah. totally changes for me the tone of the song because it, it makes it more um, what it's really like. You know, you can paint things as awful and you can paint things as good really yeah. easily, but painting them as both is, and that's the art that I love that manages to do that. Yeah. I appreciate that. And it's, you know, it's definitely a song that is a special song for me. And I don't, you know, I don't know where it, where it came from or where it happened or whatever. But, uh, you know, as far as writing goes, I know I try to stay current in the sense that, like, I think we always have the same, you kind of have the same uh, experiences of emotion, whether you're playing Little League Baseball or you're doing this or that. It's kind of the same through life. So you have to kind of jump in and grab them. And if you, I think if you stay honest to yourself, you can write a song when you're 18 and you can play it next to a song you wrote when you're 45 and they'll still sound like the same voice. Yeah. You're still the same person. Now I'm not saying I'm great. I always can do it. I can't, it's hard. I don't write a ton of songs. There's no time for it. But I think if you find that, that essential truth, you know, that's kind of floating around you, you can do a song that feels real in middle age yeah. and you can play it next to a song you wrote when you're young and they still, strangely enough, it works. It yeah. works. But I think that's part of being removed, you know, challenging yourself is to write about what you're going through now and not retreat to some cocoon of like where I was when I was 32. Right. You right, know, yeah. or like in... I don't think most people, most musicians do it well. Like it's just, that's my opinion, right? Yeah. There, there are some, right? And, and I'm not saying, but a lot of the musicians I find who are older, they have managed to remain writing really great songs, yeah. but they're not necessarily, at, they, they, it seems like they become less... Um, biographical in some way yeah i mean it, i mean i guess it could happen i mean to anyone or i haven't really i'm, I'm trying to think who i don't know i guess i don't have a really good answer for that but you know all i can say from my point of view is you know i just you know i i do i don't think it's a conscious effort i just think that's just that's what how comes. my that's how my process works yeah. like what's going on around me now what can i speak to yeah um and go from there and having said that was that's a song also that i probably wouldn't have written for a watershed record, but once watershed wasn't playing and Joe was doing a book, it kind of freed me up to write about 
Yeah. Maybe something a little more hyper personal. Yeah. That wouldn't, um, wouldn't, you know, I was just, you know, once again, I was doing it for myself. It wasn't like there was a record deal. I'm like, I'll just yep. work on this song. Right. Um, and that just happened to be the song that came out in that moment. Trying to think of where we want to go now. I, I want to talk about one more song, but anything else direction wise you want to go here? Covering the parenting thing and just all that. And like I said, having the friends around you, I'm thinking that's what really the wolf, like it's like having reasonable habits, maybe not the best good habits and having good people around you. And that kind of saves you from going to the bad wolf. Cause I, I feel like I could go over. I never feel like I'm always like, well, maybe, maybe I just, it all just falls apart. Yeah. Maybe I just start drinking too much. And just at some point I just throw in the towel. I'll have a few days where I don't feel motivated. And I'm like, well, maybe it's the end. <laughs> you know, it was a good run, but maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just meant to be the guy that sits at a bar down the street and just works a nine to five job. I mean, I find that appealing. I yeah. could be a factory worker guy. If I could just work nine to five and go to a bar and eat a pizza and not care about my health, I, mean, I could settle into that. Yeah. I think the, I think <laughs> you know? the alcohol is the key part of that, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I think about that and I'm like, well, yeah, I guess I could do, you know, yeah. like I have this vague, I mean, I, it's, I have this vague idea that at some point, you know, I'll be really old and, um, I won't have anything else to do that matters. Like, I'll just be like, I'm kind of done, right? I don't, I don't, I don't want to write a book. I don't want to. And yeah. I'm like, at that point, I'm going to get on this whole medical marijuana craze, right? Yeah. Like, I'm going to, I don't think it's a great way for an addict to be thinking, but, but I just sort of put it off and, and, uh, and I just come back to for myself over and over, like, there's things I want to do that matter. And yeah. I, for myself, I know that those things won't happen. Yeah. If alcohol and drugs yeah. are part of my life, like, that's it's over. And but then, like you, you've got a you know, you might be close to the edge, but you've always stayed away. You've you've never been completely over the edge. No, I feel like I have like said like it'll be funny because Aaron will be like you know I don't keep any like liquor at home or anything because I'm like I probably drink it. And like why don't you have like I don't want it around you know beer. Why don't you buy if you always get just one or two beers? Why don't you buy like twelve? Because I drink I drink yeah. all twelve. Like right. I, I'm aware right now where everything like. All that is. So that's where when I think about being a father of Owen, it's like, you know, I, I feel fairly confident at my age that if I was going to go off the wheel, if it was just going to go off the tracks, it would have happened, you know, but you know, you never know. You, you never know. You never know. Yep. But that's, you know, that's where, you know, I want to be like, you know, don't, you can be better than me. Don't be like me. I've got these vices, you know, you can, you know, probably do better than that. But at the same time, a lot of people that are creative, especially growing up, they kind of use alcohol or something to kind of spur that on. And for whatever reason, I've never been that guy. Like, I'm more sober when I have to play a gig. And a lot of musicians aren't. They, oh, use, yeah. they party. Oh, yeah. I, I'm not I like, I like, yeah, I like to party when I'm not doing anything. Yeah. And that's always been, I find it not fun to have to work or create. I've never been one of those brilliant people that, you know, can drink and come up with some amazing song. For me, it's always been... Yeah. Very sober and kind of work. Uh, like when I, especially getting older now, um, I remember we played a show last year and I think Owen came, it was Watershed, and I was just conscious of like, you know, we're a rock band and we have beers on stage and stuff to some degree. But I remember thinking like, I'm not going to have a beer. I don't want him to see me with a beer in my hand playing music. He sees me with a beer in my hand throwing baseballs or watching a game. But when I'm playing music, I want, I don't want him to have this association and I don't need it. I don't yeah. need to have... It is beer a, when I'm playing. Yeah, it is. I like it sometimes, but I don't need it. Yeah, know? it can be such a strong association that, like, I think for people who give up the alcohol and drugs, a lot of times the music goes too. 
or has mm-hmm. to go, um, which I don't think is true. It didn't happen for me that way. No. Um, you know, I, I was probably more active musically after I got sober and with a band, but it was hard because I had never really done that sort of stuff in, in a normal, I didn't do anything in a normal state. Yeah. So I suppose everything was hard, but there is that, there is that association and I'm glad I was un, able to untangle it early because, yeah. you know, one of the things I've thought about more and more lately, it's just on my mind a lot is like, what a gift it is to have something like music that I oh. love to do. I have no aspiration musically at this point. Like yeah. there's just nothing really there. It's mostly like, I just really love doing it. And I'm so glad that I have that though, because, and not just something I love doing, something I love listening to, like yeah. having a thing in my life that I love that much. Oh, I It's such a gift. It's your best friend. Like and people that aren't there, like, you know, I like, like I know my wife Erin, you know she, you know she obviously she just like I have to have music on all the time. I'm always like musically thinking. I was always in the background. Oh, and if uh, he's got to put on music if we're gonna throw baseballs. Like if, there, if like <laughs> I'm aware if there's no music. If I'm at yeah. the coffee shop and it's silent for a minute, my brain's like even if I'm not paying attention, it's like where's the music? Right. So it always has to be there, and it is something I don't know how it gets into your blood or whatever it is, but yeah, it's it's you know it's my favorite thing. You know, I like yeah. a lot of things, but. Crank up a whatever Springsteen replacements or whatever, and I, I mean, like, and I just one of those moments where you're like, this is the best. Yep. You know, and it's, and I think also it appeals to me because it's so imperfect. Like I was never good at math. Like, you know, the nice thing about music and specifically rock and roll is just some, you know, the sum is greater than the parts a lot. Yeah. And it gives you a break. Like, it, like it, Joe writing a novel. Like, there's no way around writing a novel. Like you've got to put all those words together into a big long book. I would never be able to do that. <laughs> but you can, you know, bang out a rock song with a couple cool chords, yeah. and hell, maybe just repeat the first verse a third time. You know, and it's still good. And yeah. I, I like that it's a very forgiving in that way. It is a very forgiving <laughs> medium. That's you know, for sure. It may be dead because <laughs> that's the other thing. But now my son's starting to listen to rap, so we're going through the oh, whole. I've, I've the, already, I've already been through all that. Yeah, so. my my kids are incredibly eclectic. Like there's an eclecticism in their music taste that there was not when I was young. Yeah. And I think that's just maybe across the board in general, but they're like, you know, rap and and rock. And I mean, they're just kind of all over the place. Yeah. It's, you know, my friend said, cause Owen's always been a, we love music. So we've seen the stones and I'm always playing music. He's always been a rock guy. And and it was like, yeah, he's going to get into rap soon in middle school. And, the other day after baseball, he got baseball practice. He got in the car with a couple of his buddies and all of a sudden he put on like power 107. Like yeah. I didn't even know what that station is. Yeah. No one was now very aware. And then two weekends ago, I was driving uh, the van for a baseball tournament and I was driving the guys and they wanted to put on stuff. And I'm like, okay, put on whatever you want. I'm just the driver. I'm not your dad. And of course it was just like super offensive. <laughs> F bombs and bombs and stuff. And yeah. I asked Owen because Owen had been like, he wants to go see Kendrick Lamar. And he had he was very thoughtful. He said, "No, this guy's legit." Because I just want him to be able to tell the difference between there was a big difference between Bon Jovi and Bruce Springsteen, right? Just like I assume there's a big difference between Kendrick Lamar and whoever the other dude is, whoever else is in there. So he made a very passionate plea, and I'm like, "Okay, you know, sure, you can." You yeah. know, my parents didn't want me, didn't want to see Iron Maiden when I was a kid. I wanted to go. <laughs> you know, I can't be the dad that like yeah. downplays a whole form of music. That's right. Hey, yeah. find your own stuff, man. And, uh, you know, so we're, we're, it's funny, we're just moving into that territory where, you know, and I, I'm curious too. like, play me the good stuff. Like, yeah. I want to know yep. what's, go, what's going on out there. Cause I don't, yeah. Yeah. and you know, you don't want to, you know, especially musician dad, you can't be the one who's like, Oh, you know, even, even when I find it completely offensive, yeah. 
I'm sure, you know, my parents weren't loving Ozzy Osbourne coming blaring out of oh, my room. No. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. that's just that's just I've, the way it goes. Yeah, I've had to just let that let that be also. And I've learned to like find the stuff that I like. Like some of it I'm like, wow, this is legitimately like art. Like yeah. I love it. Um so yeah. Well, we are near the end of our time here, so um we're gonna fade this one out a little bit differently than normal. We're gonna fade out with uh, a song of yours called Try a Little Faith, which is oh. a, was on your Christmas record, but isn't yeah. really a Christmas song. No, 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 you know, it's and uh, you know, listeners will hear it, but I, I really like it because it, it again is sort of that ambiguous middle ground, right? Where you're saying, like, you know, for a lot of us, we don't really believe in God in the traditional sense. You know, you've got yeah. it, we know too much, right? And yet, you know, try a little faith, what could it hurt? Which yeah. I just, I love that, that idea. Anything you want to say about it before we fade out to it? Well, I appreciate you bringing it. I'm surprised you brought it up. And it's funny because I know Aaron's like, I don't really understand that chorus. She'll say to me, and I'm like, well, it makes sense to me. Like, in my head, like, yeah, I don't really, the traditional things, I'm not sure I believe in all that stuff. But, you know, it's almost like another parenting thing. You know, try yeah. try a little faith, you know? It can't, can't hurt because I think there is, I have faith. I don't know exactly what it is, but right. I have no doubt have it. I know. So it's hard to, uh, but, um yeah, I mean, I guess like once again with the song, I guess the song kind of says it. But yeah, you know, like I said, it can't it can't hurt. You know, try it out and see where it takes you. Yeah. But I'm not going to sit here and lecture you about specifics, this and that. Yep. And I'm yep. sure you know that's another part of parenting in that whole spiritual world. And you know, I was brought up Catholic, and I was you know I, I went to church and CCD every single week and all that stuff. And I'm glad I went. Yeah. I'm not a Catholic now. That's not my thing. I have relatives that are, but I think you know with Owen, we've wrestled with that as like you know, at least you want to have some exposure to something spiritual. So when you get older, you can make a decision about it. You can have something to reject. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. (laughs) Whatever it is, you know, but but on your own, because it is a big part, whether you like it or not, it's a big part of the world. Yep. And a lot of people, they do care greatly about it. So you should have some understanding of it. And, but that really doesn't have anything to do with the song. You can just play the song. All right. Thanks, Colin. (laughs) Thanks, Eric. just heard was helpful to you, please consider making a donation to the One You Feed podcast. Head over to oneyoufeed.net slash support.